We're back. And as is often the case about this time each week, we have the chance of visiting with Bill Walton. He is a master of the universe, now recovering, I should say, uh, from his time in Wall Street, uh, where he was very successful there with Allied Capital Corporation. He is these days, uh, most notably, the prime mover behind a terrific podcast television program called The Bill Walton Show. And what Bill is doing with that program, um, I think, is really quite extraordinary in terms of his interviews with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, business uh, tycoons, uh, and other influencers, uh, providing deep insights into money, culture, and politics. Uh, he does this under the rubric of the Resolute Protector Foundation, which is producing such content and more. Bill, you are always welcome here, but particularly, as I understand, you've got some fresh insights for us on what is going on with the romance between your former colleagues on Wall Street and communist China that is enabling so much of the threat to us. Talk a little bit about this chap, Ray Dalio, and his machinations to, uh, well, obviously stay in the good graces of the Chinese Communist Party, but um, uh, sort of avoid some of the appropriate uh, criticism that is received for what seems to be his slavish uh, devotion to doing business with the CCP. Well, Frank, as we've talked about, these global hedge fund managers, managers seem to see themselves as hovering above and superior to mere nation states. And Ray Dalio runs uh, one of the largest hedge funds in the world, invested in about 42 countries. And his view about China or any other country is simply that if he can go in and make some money, uh, he doesn't really care too much about the, the rest of the uh, political landscape. And last week, week maybe it was a week before last, he was on CNBC and uh, was asked about how he felt about doing business in China with their terrible human rights uh, record, you know, uh, what, what they're doing with the Uyghurs, forced organ donations, and, and on and on. And he said, well, you know, that's just the way China operates. And, and then he was asked about what about the, uh, the forced disappearance of uh, or the disappearance of, uh, of uh, certain people who are protesting or are or, or not aligned with the Chinese Communist Party. And he said, well, you know, Chinese Communist Party got a long, China's got a long reputation of being authoritarian. And, and when people disappear, they're just acting like stern parents. Well, that was not well received. And, and he came out last week uh, again appearing saying he didn't, he didn't mean to convey that human rights weren't important. Uh, I was just tempted to explain what a Chinese told me about how they did things. And the question you have to ask yourself is, why are we putting our money with these people if they float above really basic human concerns? And, and uh, why, are they, why are they supporting uh, uh, what's going on in China? They're not alone, of course. Uh, we have, um, in addition to the financial sector, hedge fund types, uh, lots of other people. Uh, the guys, of course, putting money into uh, uh, index funds and, and exchange-traded funds, mutual funds, pension plans, and so on. 
uh, as sources for funding the sorts of things you're talking about, Bill. And it's, of course, not just the Chinese Communist Party's oppression of its own people that's being underwritten in this fashion. It is their ability and obvious intent to threaten people elsewhere around the world, including ours. And the thing that is so astounding about this is, as you euphemistically put it, it's not just that they're rising above uh, the rest of the political landscape, they are betraying our country by so doing, it seems to me. And one of the things that we're hopeful to facilitate with conversations like this, among other things, including a mad as hell campaign, which I encourage people to look into at madashell.org, to get those whose money is being invested in this fashion to, you know, say no, not with our money any longer. Um, your thoughts on how important that is, given the kinds of damage that you're talking about being done with our money. Well, for those of us that care about liberty and care about the basic uh, limited constitutional government we have in the United States and the great freedoms we've historically enjoyed, although even in the United States we're seeing those freedoms uh, eroded and in some cases erased in the last several years, we're up against some stubborn realities. I, I think I mentioned to you that Chinese represents what the investment community sees as almost a 70 uh, $70 trillion investment pool of consumer uh, savings that they would love to be part of investing. The Chinese Communist Party is welcoming U.S. firms in because they want help in, 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 in innovating an incredibly primitive uh, capital market there. Uh, we're also against up against the stubborn reality of China's the second largest uh, uh, consumer market in the world after the United States and is the largest market for consumer luxury goods in the world. And th that's a function of the fact that the Chinese standard of living has risen dramatically in the last 20, 25 years. And, and when we think about dealing with the Chinese Communist Party and its human rights uh, violations, a lot of the ordinary Chinese are pretty happy with what's been happening in China, so it's hard for us to get traction. And then you see a report this week that uh, Apple uh, essentially bribed the Chinese Communist Party with $275 million to invest in, in various uh, um, um, uh, uh, or initiatives that China, uh, Beijing was pushing and promised it used more components from Chinese suppliers and it's going to sign deals with Chinese software firms, collaborating technology with Chinese university uh, universities. And it, it's not alone. I mean, it's uh, you've got Nike, Coca-Cola, they're all lobbying Congress to, to not put pass a bill that would... Uh, uh, oppose the use of forced labor of Uyghurs in, in China. Uh, and just, just you, you don't think about this, but the province that the Uyghurs are being prosecuted in Xinjiang uh, is a huge uh, a natural gas producer and consequently great for the resins that produce plastics and polysilicon, which is used in uh, Apple products or produced there uh, using forced labor uh, provided by the Uyghurs. And it, it, the interrelationships are, are, are stunning. And so I, I think our job, Frank, and we're doing it right now, is to just make people aware of uh, how we're being sold out by these companies. Uh, you know, Apple's got a $3 trillion market cap. It's the most valuable company in the world. And 
when you look at those cute little stores with the nice kids in there, you ought to realize that that's, that's really got a very sinister, sinister uh, um, underpinning. And this brings me to the genocide games, because uh, there are, in addition to Apple and Nike, uh, a number of other American companies, Airbnb comes to mind, that are pouring very substantial sums into the so-called Winter Olympics in Beijing in February. And Bill, what we are on notice about is that, um, well, history has a very powerful precedent for what happens when you see the so-called international community ignoring the nature of the regime that it entrusts to host Olympic Games, only to discover that the regime interprets that trust as legitimization and a flashing green light for the government in question to behave not only aggressively, but murderously so on an epic scale. In the case of the previous example, uh, the Berlin Olympic Games in 1936. Well, and Frank, let's look at what the Nazis were doing. The Nazis put Jews and, and other Eastern Europeans in concentration camps. And what are the, some of the things they did? They experimented on live human beings uh, for, for medical purposes or just to be, uh, you know, outright evil. And fast forward to where we are today in China, um, they're, uh, they have not ended. In fact, they seem to be stepping up the practice of forced organ harvesting. And it's all part of well, I don't know that it's all part of, but it's interrelated with their crackdown on, on Falun Gong, which is really just a, a sounds like a very lovely uh, kind of spiritual religion, which gained popularity. It had almost 100 million adherents in China in 1999. Since then, they've been cracking down. And for if you're a believer in uh, Falun Gong, you're also a target for uh, forced organ uh, 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 harvesting. And so when you go, but this, you this brings us the, back, Bill, to our, our own responsibility, if I could just interject this, because Americans, uh, medical practitioners and, and individual, you know, patients are part of the enabling of this organ harvesting operation becoming a cash crop, if I can use that expression, for this murderous Chinese Communist Party regime. Um, people are going over there, they're getting livers, they're getting hearts, they're getting other organs, kidneys, on very short order compared to what uh, frequently it is entailed if you need one and are relying on the you know U.S. system or or European ones to provide you with those organs. So this is, this is very much an example of a practice that is being enabled, being underwritten, being rewarded, uh, made more profitable by the West, is it not? Well, if we want to send a signal to the world that we care about freedom and we care about human rights, we ought not to be sending anyone into China to compete in an Olympic game, which legitimizes uh, their regime. The you know, just look what the Chinese the party the, the party does to its own people. Beijing, as we know, is terrible smog because China provides most of its electricity from coal-fired power plants, and we've talked about it. They're building one on average a week still today, and they're shutting them down in the regions around Beijing. Why? Because they don't want the smoke from the plants to cloud the air in Beijing to to ruin their their um, their photo op that they hope to get. Uh, 
when the TV cameras come over to cover the Olympics. And, and, but they're willing to let their ordinary Chinese suffer, suffer through a very cold winter in Beijing. Um, uh, so they don't, you know, they don't care about us and they don't care about their own people. We are, it seems, at the cusp of having this so-called Build Back Better huge spending bill approved by the House of Representatives last week and um, now awaiting Senate action, uh, possibly a favorable action. Um, tell us what's going on on that front, Bill, and uh, is there any hope that this, well, it can only be fuel on the fire of inflation as well as perhaps the end of you know, our constitution and, and free market capitalist system, if uh, the Build Back Better types have their way, will they succeed in getting this through the Senate, do you think? Well, the egregious thing about what the Biden administration is doing and what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are doing in the, on the Hill is that they are trying to pass the most uh, radical social engineering, uh, uh, big government socialist program in history. And they're doing it with razor thin margins. I think Nancy's got about four or five vote margin in the House. And in the Senate, it's a 50-50 number. And the, the tying vote is our, is our vice president. Uh, and we all know about her, Ms. Kamala Harris. Uh, so that means that if they need every single Democrat senator to vote for this, uh, to vote for this bill, and the Joe Manchin, which is made a career out of being the swing vote on things like this, has been hanging in the balance. And just this week, at the urging of the Republicans, the Senate or the uh, Congressional Budget Office scored Build Back Better. And Democrats have been claiming that this has been paid for through various taxes and fees and other things. And, and uh, having 80,000 IRS agents uh, provided for in the bill being more aggressive about collecting uh, taxes from Americans. Well, it turns out that's not true. It's not paid for. And it's, uh, at least to the tune of $3 trillion, it's not paid for. And, and as I've talked about before, our, our national debt to our GDP is at historic highs. It's higher now than it was uh, during World War II. And so this is just more adding to our, our deficit. And Joe Manchin cares. And the people of West Virginia care. And Joe would like to have a viable political career. So this is very good news um, if we can keep him focused and give him an excuse to, uh, to not vote for the bill. If he doesn't vote for it, it doesn't pass. And as I, as I told you, our mission here is to kill the bill, not, not, um, not edit it, not adjust it, kill it. Well, this is uh, a really high stakes poker for sure. And I think that to the to the extent that we're watching um, some measure of honesty now being injected into this debate about the bill, uh, and and most especially this idea that the techniques that were used to claim, however fraudulently, that the bill was paid for uh, by saying that the new entire programs that it's going to set up will somehow disappear in a year or two or whatever that you know sunset might be this is again a a bait and switch 
no entitlement program ever goes away as a practical matter. So um, hopefully the CBO numbers are reasonably accurate and hopefully that they will be taken seriously by, uh, I would like to think, not just Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, who's made similar noises from time to time, but uh, but others just, just who to clo- have just, just some to measure them. of responsibility in the Senate. Go ahead. Well, to close, to tie a loop around this a bit, you know, the Green New Deal is an integral part of this Build Back Better. And the Green New Deal would, uh, in trying to get us to zero carbon emissions, essentially moves our whole energy uh, dependence over to China. Because if you depend on wind and solar, uh, you're essentially saying you're going to buy all the all the subcomponents or components from that from China. Uh, and... Of course, people overlooking if we did go to all wind and solar, it would require about one-third to one-half of the surface area of the United States to put up all those uh, windmills and, uh, and, uh, and solar panels. Aside from that, I mean, what's wrong with it? <laughs> so, so that's in the bill. So the longer we can push this out, and we're, it looks like we're going to push it into, into next year, the more people know what's in it, the less likely it is we can, they can pass this thing. And Americans don't want this. We will be watching it closely, Bill, with your help, uh, not least. And I thank you very much for addressing the latest developments uh, today and, and for all of the work that you do at the Bill Walton Show and, and beyond. Keep it up, my friend. We'll talk with you again next week, I hope, before Christmas. Thank you very much for joining us today. Next up, we will speak with Jonathan Emord about the authoritarians at work, not just in Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party, but here at home as well. Stay tuned for that and more straight ahead. <laughs> 